and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 323 and my conversation with percussionist, composer, recording artist under the name Master Christopher, and owner and creator of Maps Music and the musical desegregation project, Christopher Thompson. We'll get to him shortly. Right now, we are in finals week at Mizzou. We're at the point where lots of assignments are being graded, handed in, handed in late to get credit. You know the drill. We just had percussion juries all day Monday and the percussion area holiday party last night, and those were great. My colleague, Dr. Megan Arns, is doing wonderful work, along with the other lesson professors here, Cliff Walker and Troy Hall, all folks who have been on the show previously. So we progress on, and we'll get to today's guest, Christopher Thompson. Chris was a guest on the show in 2020, and you can find the link for episode 201 in the show notes. At that time, he was director of percussion studies at High Point University in North Carolina, while also being early on in the Master Christopher and Music Desegregation Project for that portion of his performing career. I wanted to talk to him again because I knew he was performing at the New Music Research Day for PASIC 2022, and it seemed like a good time to check back in with him. This was doubly important because not only was he progressing with that portion of his career, but he's also recently moved and now currently resides in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. While that is still part of the Eastern time zone from North Carolina, it is a completely new world. And he'll explain why he moved and what he's doing there in our interview. Thought his performance at PASIC went quite well. He performed his original work, Fearless, for four percussionists and himself, where he was playing classical percussion and rapping his own original lyrics. It was an inventive and exciting performance that is part of the Music Desegregation Project. Now, as for the performance itself, while there were some balance issues between him and the other performers, for instance, his microphone should have been turned up louder, but there were some feedback issues going on during that portion of PASIC in that room, it was still a very good public performance, and I hope that it propels him even further than he already is in his career. And without any further ado, let's get to our conversation with Chris. We recorded this interview over Zoom on October 24th, 2022, and it begins right now. Chris, tell me what you are presenting at PASIC this year and when you're presenting. Fortunate and, and just excited to be able to be at PASIC this year. I'll be performing on the New Music and Research Presents, uh, which will be on Thursday, November 10th. Um, and it's on the 3 p.m. concert. Uh, and what I'll be playing or pretty much performing is one of the pieces uh, that I've written from the Music Desegregation Project called Fearless. Uh, and Fearless, this particular piece, it features five different styles of percussion mixed with rap and hip hop. And so uh, you're going to have Jim, West African djembe, you're going to have um, Afro-Cuban um, uh, congas, you're going to have uh, tabla, uh, North Indian classical tabla, you're going to have uh, drum set, uh, and then I'll be actually performing some orchestral and concert percussion while rapping, which is going to be uh, quite, quite uh, a blend of some things. So the piece is written in 5-4. It kind of goes back from 5-4 to 6-4. Uh, I don't know how many times you hear rappers rapping 5-4, but, uh, you know, to have this full composition and, and all these different drummers laying uh, a very kind of blended mixed groove with some unison parts with the rap and hip hop, I'm really excited for what this piece will mean for the percussion community. Is it your piece or you commissioned it or is like, so what's yeah. the origin of that? Piece? So, so it is, it is my piece to go back into the music desegregation project in its entirety. Music desegregation is the idea of merging contemporary percussion with jazz, uh, with classical, with, and, and merging those three things, components with rap and hip hop. Uh, all the, works that I've been doing within this project are all through composed and they're all composed by myself. Um, and then I'll bring in different performers to, 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 to record live 
music and, and live recordings with video uh, of these compositions. But I'm also writing lyrics uh, and using kind of hip hop elements within these through composed pieces. And so with me specifically, uh, you know, I write the rhythms of the rap into the score. And so you'll see the lyrics of the rap on top. You'll see the rhythms and everything that that really blend and line up with the rest of the compositions. And so some pieces uh, are more percussion heavy um, and maybe percussion ensemble. Some pieces are more jazz heavy, uh, you know, with a small jazz ensemble or a New Orleans style blues with rap and hip hop. Um, I've, I've, I did a arrangement of Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto where I had two pianists playing and then merged that with rap and hip hop. And so um, there was a total of nine pieces on this album, just released this album in July. Um, and every one of the pieces, again, were through composed and, and really blended and merged these different genres in a way that is, is authentic. I didn't want to just like, you know, do a hip hop style, like do a, a, an arrangement of a hip hop song with classical instruments or do like, you know, a classical piece that's just a hip hop version. Uh, all of these are original. All of these are authentic. It still feels classical, though it still feels like jazz with improvisation or it still feels like rapping hip hop all in one. And so authenticity was a big, big component. And so uh, Fearless, what I'll be doing at PASIC is really just one component uh, of or one piece from the album that was released in July. Is is this just you playing or do you have a group playing with you? Uh, So for this particular piece, I'm going to have four other musicians. Uh, I'll have Julian Allred playing drum set. I'll have Sean, I want to make sure I get his name right, Sean Matavesky playing tabla. Um, I'll have Matt Henry playing the djembe. I'll have um, Adam Riviere playing, um, I'm sorry, Adam Riviere's playing the djembe and Matt Henry's playing kungas uh, while I'm doing the concert percussion and rapping. So it'll be it'll be five percussionists from these different styles and regions uh, all, all jamming together. How have you managed the the microphone, it's like the microphone system or how, how are you um, trying to make sure that that is, doesn't get buried? One thing that I've that I use is a sure uh, wireless headset mic um, and this sure wireless headset mic will allow me to to rap. I'll go out into the system uh, while performing and playing. So that gives my my hands some freedom to do some of the things with the percussion things. Uh, and, and I'm not the things that I will do will be a little bit more simplified to keep from overbearing and, and, and covering up the rap. Uh, so I'll have some uh, castanets and like a tambourine and um, I'll do some snare drum things as well. Uh, but the way it kind of works is that the piece goes back and forth between this five, four groove where everybody's kind of chill under the rap. So, you know, like everything's not covering up the rap. Uh, but then there are these solo moments where each, each uh, musician gets to kind of, showcase their their instrument uh, during the solo moments that are not rapping so that they can kind of branch out, open up a little bit. Had you or have you been able to work with these other percussionists yet? Or is this the first time that this is going to so, be? Alive? I had different percussionists on the actual album, and I've done a lot, a lot of performance with this piece with different percussionists. Uh, but on this particular version of PASIC and finding folks who were going to Indianapolis, uh, I reached out to the world percussion, like the world committee for uh, for PAS and, and some other members and really got to build this Indianapolis crew. So with these particular artists, uh, this will all be the first time I've worked with them uh, on a music desegregation piece. When did the idea first come to you to try this? Um, so this kind of happened when we all took that break during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, that was a moment where I really got to sit back and say, you know, what do I what do I really want to do with, uh, you know, with my music and with my gifts and with my career and having that time to reflect on it and having that time to 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 try to find what's authentic to myself. Um, you know, for me, I kind of realized, you know, yeah, I was I was at that time, you know, teaching at Hopper University as a percussionist. Uh, I was uh, as a percussion professor and uh, I was doing jazz vibes, and of course, I was doing our contemporary uh, percussion uh, and marching percussion and drumline, all that good stuff. But I realized that, you know, not one of those things would define me by itself. I wanted to find a way to merge the different interests and traits that I had 
so that I could have my own authentic space uh, within the music industry and music uh, in general. And so that's kind of where it started, the idea of just writing and blending these, these different genres uh, in a genuine way. When you were writing these works, at what point are you, is the music being written? Are you writing lyrics first? What's the What tends to be mm-hmm. the order for you? Yeah, so it kind of varies. Uh, when I first started, um, I wrote the music first. I would, you know, I would, I would write all the different aspects, the the full phrasing, uh, and then what I would actually do is write the rhythm of the rap first uh, before actually coming up with any lyrics. And so I kind of, I mean, I really approached it. Rap is nothing but like a snare drum solo with your voice, right? If you really think about it. And so uh, I wrote those lyrics of the of the rap kind of using a drum pad and using the feel of, for what I wanted to produce. And then I would go back and put the lyrics in and merge the lyrics in. Um, but I've also tried some different approaches. There's some times where I would, you know, write the words first and then kind of arrange some things around the words. There are some times where I maybe would have a very simple harmony, uh, write the rhythm of the rap or write the words and then add everything else in. So I kind of hit it from different angles, but um, usually I try to to either write the rhythm of the rap first or write the rap and then arrange around it. Did it take a while to be comfortable merging the two, the per, the playing percussion with the rap or did that, was that actually not that big of a deal? I still am not comfortable. <laughs> uh, like it's, that was probably without a doubt, that's one of the hardest things I've probably have practiced before. Like, um, you know, recently I've been doing these duet videos on TikTok, right? Where I'll take a vibraphone and I'm and I'm playing, you know, like a improvised. It's not even improvised, really, but like a jazz solo while rapping. Uh, and you know, as as you know, like if you're playing percussion, whether it's marimba or vibraphone, there's already so many you know layers and different levels of things that you're thinking about at one time. And so to add rap while playing was just another, that's another, another, another beast. And a lot of times I try to, you know, like if I'm rapping, I'll try to play the rhythm that I'm rapping and kind of merge those two things together. It's still not easy. It's still not easy. And so it takes, it takes like just lots of repetition, lots of practice um, to really get comfortable uh, syncopating the voice with what I'm doing with my hands. Yeah. Well, I'd imagine, you know, thinking about, I guess it depends on performer and, you know, hip hop performer here, but where, you know, some people I think are, it's, I would assume this is like singers where they might follow the same cadence of, of rhythm in, in the rap, similar to how a singer might just sing the exact track, you know, Mm -hmm. that would, um, or others would just, they'll, they're going to go with whatever's that feeling right then and it might mean a shift in meter or of how you've written it out and so i i'm curious how you've worked with those elements when you've thought about the performance part versus the recording or written out part well yeah so um i i try to i try to imagine the performance while i'm writing um uh, i haven't got to the place where i'm fully improvising on the instrument while rapping. Uh, I feel like that's like another level of like, you know, like level 10 on the video game. It's coming next time, next time. There you go. So uh, (laughs) I haven't got to the level of full improvisation on like the mallet instruments while rapping at the same time. Um, But I I don't want to, I want to make sure it incorporates that feel. Like would I want it to feel like I'm improvising and rapping at the same time. And so for me, what I'll do um, is that I'll, I'll a lot of times sing what that improvised part will be uh, if I have the idea of the words or vice versa. I'll come, I'll sing what the words would sound like over a particular part uh, so that it still feels like, oh, he's soloing. Like, oh, this is this is happening in the moment. Um, so it doesn't feel very um, straight or robotic. Yeah, no, that's good. And I have to imagine that that is there's a way that that can be that it can feel robotic if it's just if you're just working out your own comfort level of trying to merge these two things oh yeah definitely um i mean like i said it's just that that aspect of of merging like the rap and the playing um 
in the preparation of it is without a doubt robotic because it, you just have to, you know, you have to get comfortable with that level of syncopation. Um, but I, I try to get so comfortable that from the perspective of the audience to say, oh, you know, uh, it, it really comes across as very natural. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, are there particular hip hop influences in how you put this together? The hip hop influences will really come from the rhythm of like the rap itself. Uh, and so like, you know, there's a few artists like Toby Nguigwe, uh, and, you know, whether you got Kendrick Lamar, or even Kanye West, who have very uh, rhythmic cadences in, in the way that they rap. Um, they incorporate a lot of rhythms. Uh, you know, we have to be careful, you know, in today's society sometime or in, in today's time, right? At this very moment, we get a lot of just triplets in the cadence of rap. Um, that's been something that kind of starts. <laughs> yeah, start, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, uh, and I would even go back to Juicy J kind of oh, sure. <laughs> when he first, when he first, uh, you know, but like, that's the thing, um, you know, trying to listen to artists who, who, who creatively do different things rhythmically, um, definitely gave me some influence on how to approach this and, and, and being a percussionist, like, man, like it would be tough for me to only have a very straightforward cadence. I like, you know, being a percussionist gives me the advantage of, man, I can rap in five over this four, four bar. I can rap in three and, you know, in seven and I can incorporate some different functions. So. Yeah. Were you incorporating any of the um, kind of offsetting of, I don't know if it, if it's, if it's, if it's, there's a lot of rhyming at all, but I, I don't know if you were doing some of the offset, like, you know how like there's like a sometimes sometimes it's like at the at beat four or something and then sometimes it's like two to one and a half and, and it's like you know stacked almost you incorporate yeah. in there yeah i mean i definitely jump into that and, and some of that will be in fearless uh there's some different there's a lot of different like rhythmic cadences that'll happen that you know go back and forth in the feel of five four where you know sometimes you have three uh, you know, three over the five, four, you have four over the five, four, or, you know, and so there's going to be a lot of really, um, you know, those rhythmic nuances happening. Um, and I try, you know, there's, there's five different verses within fearless where I try to do something quite different each time that may even resemble what you will hear, um, uh, in, in the, uh, in the piece. And so, for example, there's, uh, the, the section that, uh, where the Afro-Cuban and the Kungas are playing, um, and he kind of leads as I'm rapping. Um, that rap mimics the cowbell, uh, you know, and 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 having that particular rap mimic the cowbell fits that culture and that style. Whereas when I'm rapping with the drum set, and he's taking the lead without you know without actually soloing, but he's taking the lead. That rap has a little bit more of a uh, funk or so or like rock feel to it that fits that particular style. And so I'm trying to get really creative, but yet you know. Uh, try to get really, um, I guess, I don't know, I guess try to ad adapt the rap based upon what's, what the music is calling for, uh, I think makes a big difference. Gotcha. When you were creating all these different sections with these different instruments as lead, did you, did that influence the words that you were putting on those specific sections? It could have, but I, but for this particular piece, it didn't. Uh, I really wanted this piece to say, to speak on this idea of fearless um, and, and the idea of, you know, taking a jump, taking a leap uh, to follow your dreams. You know, uh, I don't know if, you, if you've ever heard of, you know, or seen on YouTube, like Steve Harvey, when he talks about this idea of jumping, right? Like if you want to reach your dreams, like imagine you're standing like on the edge of a cliff and, you know, a lot of times we we use media to look at other people soaring in the sky. Right. You see them soaring, you see them flying. Um, but, you know, we stand on the cliff watching them, you know, watching these these celebrities or big names or our heroes. Right. We stand on the cliff watching them soar. Um, but sometimes it takes taking that leap of faith and, and jumping. You know, and and then your parachute can open so that you can soar with them. But what the, the premise is that if you jump your parachute might not open right away. You may fall down the cliff. You may, you know, go through some of the bumps and the grind and the, and the hardships of falling down. 
uh, but your parachute will definitely open and then you'll get the sore. But the one thing that's very true is if you never jump, then you'll never soar. And so I really wanted the lyrics to kind of motivate and be kind of, you know, inspiring this story of this person standing on the cliff, what they're dealing with, what they're thinking about, what's kind of like calling them back. Right. You know, whether it's just a, whether it's a normal eight to five or maybe a job that they hate or something that's just like calling them back, that's preventing them from jumping and kind of walking through that process until at the very end, it's like, you know what? I got to go for this. I got to take this chance and then and then jump and, and leap for their dreams. So, yeah, that's what the lyrics kind of speak about. The live performance is definitely going to be interesting because uh, just being able to merge all these things with the amplification of all these things. I'm, I'm very curious to see, uh, you know, what what's what's going to be possible from, you know, uh, that live feel and having an audience uh, who who can kind of get it. And I, and I wonder what people what's going to resonate with each person. You know, maybe they stick to a particular style. You know, maybe they love what the tabla is doing and they kind of zone in there or maybe they're focusing on me with the rap or they're, you know, like if you're a drum set guy, you might be watching drum set. If you're a djembe guy, you might be watching djembe. Um, But, I'm you know, to see. I would love to kind of, I'm, I'm ready to see what those reactions are from the different members of the percussion community that have these different areas that they can relate to. So I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited as well. I think it's going to be great. I, I, I also kind of look forward to the reaction. I just, it, it's because it's, it's very much a different thing. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, 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 uh, you know, that's the thing, like difference is different is really cool when it's different. Right. But it's also like a little lonely. You know, it's like yes. trying to figure out where to fit in, you know, it's, it's trying to figure out. Um, and so I'm just great. I'm grateful that the there is a, uh, a platform in the area within the new music and research uh, um, performance that this could really fit and have a place. And so uh, I'm trying to find different ways to find a place for music desegregation and, and, and put it in these different um, avenues and venues to hopefully get it some, get it some, some steam and some, and some, uh, and some eyes on it. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've, I've kind of realized over the years, I feel like the, where the new music stuff just generally has kind of started to go is it ends up being where a lot of, people get their it's their one of their first times that they would ever be performing at PASIC. Mm, it's just yep. like, it's a really good way in. Yeah. Yeah. So many different things. I mean, I was thinking like last year, there was the whole thing about people like singing and playing like mm -hmm. a whole concert of that, you know, and that's such a new, it, it's like, this is in the same kind of genre. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the direction um, for some of the, and like I said, the, the, the thing that, really pulled me in was um the advertisement they that they put out for this particular year you know uh what does the future of percussion look like uh and for me i i highly see collaboration as the future um you know collaborating with these other art forms whether it be jazz whether it be uh pop and, and rock and, and hip-hop and, and rap and so uh, what does a genuine collaboration between percussion and rap look like? And, and for me, I wanted to kind of encompass that and show like this is only the beginning. Like there is so much there's so much potential for for rap and, and, and contemporary percussion to join, uh, you know, specifically since rap is so rhythmic. I mean, really, rap, rhythm and poetry. Right. That's that's what it stands for. So we just got, if we can tap into the rhythm aspect. I mean, just imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't know when I first fully put that together, but I know that I would, I would listen to uh public enemy in the early nineties and I would start playing snare to Chuck D and I was like, Oh, like I, it was like a, I, I hadn't even like, like put it all the way together, but I was like, no, this is like, this is part of the reason I like this so much <laughs> aside yeah, from yeah. the message, but just the, the rhythm of it was always took it. So I, I you may have had the same feeling I, I would, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just for me growing up, I, I enjoy rap, but it was more like I honestly did not. The lyrics were the last thing that I paid attention to. Sure, like, same. Yeah. I, like, the lyrics, it would be bad because there would be really popular songs that I could I could sing every cadence and feel and aspect of the rap, but I couldn't tell you exactly what he was saying. You know, it's <laughs> like I got so embedded into the music of it. 
Right. Um, and some were better than others. But it's like, man, just uh, for me, it was all about potential. You know, it was all about just imagine what could be done with these two very contrasting, but yet so similar styles. There's so many similarities between the two. Um, and I think it just, just from an audience perspective, right? Like imagine being able to, yeah, we we're in, we have our own audience within the percussion community, but to be able to grow that to where others can appreciate what we do in the percussion community, I think is very valuable. Uh, and I think it's easier to do that as you begin, as we can, break down some of these boundaries, break down some of these walls between the genres and styles of music that are out there in the world. It's just what I'm, I'm curious. I was trying to remember when I talked to you and that, and I'm looking that up right now. I can't remember if it was during the pandemic, if it was. I think it was during. I really think it was during, but I I can't fully remember. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm the page is pulling up. I have to just have to look at the date here. Yeah. It was August, 2020. Okay. So that was that was the last time that you were on. So what has happened for you since August 2020, Chris? Where to begin? Right. I mean, literally everything. I I, I don't know, man, from a from a music career standpoint, a lot has happened. A lot of seeds were were planted. Um, so since August 2020, I, I I finished, and I may have told you I may be working on this, but I finished my first piece of music desegregation before music desegregation even had a name, uh, and that was called Master Plan. Um, and I wrote that uh, as this kind of like test where it, it was, you know, two marimbas, it was vibraphone, it was concert bass drum and, and some so a snare drum and claves and this percussion ensemble piece that, that had drum set, this killer drum set player and Xavier Ware and had rap and merged all these things together, released it in December. Uh, and man, it, it caught steam. It got a lot of views. It, uh, I got a lot of support. A lot of people had told me, man, I've never seen anything like it. Um, it had jazz improvisation solos happening. It had, you know, four mallet marimba playing happening. It had crazy drum set stuff happening. It had all these different elements in one. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on to something here. Uh, and it felt so natural because it felt like I was really being myself, you know. Um, and so that was December 2020. Uh, from there, uh, after kind of seeing that support and just seeing how much I loved it and writing these style, this these type of pieces, uh, I did a Kickstarter. Um, and we did a Kickstarter and I think that March and raised like $21,000 to create the full album for music desegregation. Um, and And that's when I got to just, you know, again, write these other pieces and create this, this full project. And it was really awesome. Uh, I had uh, Dr. Lamont Lawhorn as the guy doing the video. And see, so he did the video work for all of the pieces. And so for every piece, there is this awesome video showing these instruments, showing these styles being merged. Um, and so that summer, I mean, we busted out, you know, like nine songs within the summer and I mean, it was nonstop. I, you know, I didn't get any break and then went right back to teaching Hopwell University for band camp in, in August. Um, and then, uh, you know, seeing how that kind of grew and seeing how the response to each piece, I kind of released each piece one by one um, and seeing how everybody responded was just, it was unique. You know, I had a piece that merged HBCU drumline with uh, percussion ensemble and marimbas and rap. And then so seeing people's reaction to that versus seeing people's reaction to like the Rachmaninoff piece or seeing people's reaction to the Buddy Bowden piece. Um, all these different styles, you know, kind of had their own audience. Um, and that kind of took place over the year um, until, you know, I released the album in its entirety uh, on all platforms in July. Um, but then since then, my wife got into a nurse practitioner program uh, at Penn, University of Pennsylvania. So, we both moved up to Pennsylvania, uh, up to Philadelphia. And that's been a whole shock in itself. We did that this summer. Um, and, you know, going from Greensboro, North Carolina, or, or, you know, rural or kind of like High Point, North Carolina to Philadelphia, um, you know, has definitely had its uh, challenges, but we love it. We love it so far in Philly. Um, we've, we've had such a great time, uh, just getting familiar with a big city, getting familiar with having so much to do. There's just, you know, it's just 
you could pick any day and have something more exciting or some kind of cultural or art or music experience uh, in the city. Um, and so that's been cool. I actually went, so we got a townhouse up here and I, I, I created and built my own little music studio down in uh, the basement, uh, you know, treated the walls and, and, and um, you know, kind of got some microphones and got all these different things. Uh, so I can kind of uh, do some, some recording and, and video, you know, video myself just right here in the basement. So that's been a whole journey. That's been awesome. Uh, and I don't know if I could fully announce it yet, but I did just get an offer to teach. It's a tenure track position. Can't announce it just yet. Uh, but I like, cause this is, this happened like today. Oh, <laughs> I'm, nice. in, oh, wow. I'm, in, I'm in conversations like with, with, you know, settling everything today, but I'll be, I will be teaching at a, at a, at a school in a position up here. Um, uh, that I think will be even more interesting in another layer to, to everything going on. So yeah, man, it's been, it's been nonstop. It's been a lot of great stuff, but I'm, I'm really excited. I probably left some stuff out, but I'm really excited about the direction that things are going. In terms of, you, you know, the, your, the program your wife is in, mm-hmm. was this a situation where it was, I, I was thinking of it like my dad would say, like, is this the best school? Like, was this one of those where like, if she gets into this school and into this program, we're gone. Like, was that kind of the decision? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Penn, Penn was ranked like number one school in the nation in, in nursing. Uh, you know, aside from it already being an Ivy League school, I mean, Penn has such an amazing just hospital program, hospital system. Um, they got the top children's hospital in the world as well. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, you know, they, they had over a thousand applicants and only accepted like 90 for this particular program. So like her getting into this program. Yeah, we were like. We we got to make we got to do, do it. Um, so I, I and I love I love the the situation that I had at High Point University. Um, that was that was really cool to to work with those students and um, you know made a lot of great memories there and, and a lot of great relationships there. But also excited to kind of move on and kind of see uh, what these new opportunities will bring. Uh, so man, it's that was tough leaving there, but. Definitely, definitely the right move to to come up here together. You know, sometimes folks will will, will kind of do the long distance thing. And for us, we just didn't want to do that. And we had already lived in Greensboro for so long. I had been there about 15 years. She had been there her whole life in North Carolina. Um, and so it was like, yeah, let's let's take this leap. Let's take this jump and see how it goes. Okay, so it's one thing to go, let's take this leap and let's take this jump. It's a whole other thing to go, hey, I'm moving to a place that I don't know. And I don't know a lot of people. Uh, so what's that been like? Yeah, it's it's still kind of interesting. Uh, luckily, I mean that's 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 one thing that after the pandemic, like everything became so virtual, right? And a lot of emphasis, of course, on social media and 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 our, the digital space. Um, that you know you don't feel too by yourself because you still got or you feel so connected digitally. Um, but yeah, like. You know, I'm 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 definitely working on trying to network and and see who's up here and catch up with folks uh, and 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 kind of build those relationships. Has there been a welcome the Philly moment you've had to deal with? <laughs> or moments? Yeah, I mean, starting with the positive, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely the fact of like the sports atmosphere. I, I mean, you know, the Phillies are, are going to the world series as yeah. of last night. And so like the whole city has just been on a thousand just because, you know, seeing the success for the Phillies, the Eagles are undefeated. Uh, um, and I, I'm pretty, I hope they didn't lose yesterday. They didn't lose. No, yesterday. They didn't. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't know that they, Did they didn't, they didn't play. But anyway, yeah, I, I should know better being from Philly. Don't, you know, <laughs> If, if there's any Philly folks watching, don't 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 uh, beat me up too bad. But yes, um, you know the Phillies. Un- I mean the the Eagles are undefeated. Um, the Sixers have potential. <laughs> I think they have potential. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you know, there's like, a lot of the potential can go in all sorts of directions. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Uh, but like you know, just being in this atmosphere, and you know, you walk outside, and everybody's got gear on representing different sports. That's like that's been really cool, um, as well as the fact that like Philly is a large, really large city. It's the second uh, on the East Coast, second largest on the East Coast, but yet 
it's got this kind of small town feel where everything still feels accessible and everybody's, you know, you know, it's that, it's that idea of like, you know, Hey, like we, we fight for what we believe in in Philly. And so it's just, I, I've, we've loved it. It's starting to grow on us for sure. And we also were fortunate we got in, you know, we're in a good area that, uh, you know, it's been, it's, that's also made it great. The, the neighbors have been awesome. Like, I mean, just absolutely awesome. All our neighbors, they know it, but we, we talk, we speak and, you know, we help each other out and, and borrow each other's things. It's been really, it's been a cool little community that we, that we found that we uh, fell into, I'll say. What about the traffic? <laughs> you know, like coming from North Carolina, this is definitely like a totally different experience. I, I don't know if I've ever heard this many car horns in my life, you know? Yep. Uh, That's or about right. Actually, my biggest concern is is like making sure that I don't turn completely over to the dark side, like where I'm now. Because I notice like now I'm yelling at folks and I'm cutting folks off and I say, whoa, wait, wait what's going on? <laughs> you know? uh, so like, yeah, man. But, you know, I, you kind of have to drive that way to 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 get where you need to be i mean this this anyway so yeah that's that's been that's definitely been an interesting experience just to, to say the least yeah and how about the food food has been great there's just so many different options you know like food has been really I, i'm gonna tell you i mean you always hear about the philly cheesesteak right but if you come to Philly and actually get one of their, like, don't go to Pat's or Gino's, but if you actually get one of their amazing Philly cheesesteaks, it's like mind blowing. Like, I, I mean, you know, I, I was, all right, you know, Philly cheesesteaks probably only going to be with so, no, it was amazing. Like I went to this place called, it's, it's called John's Roast Pork. Um, uh, I think, uh, I think he won a James Beard Award or something like that um, for his pork sandwiches, but his Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, oh. Oh man, I mean, like they're like they're this big. They're just, I mean, it's I, look, they're they're amazing. They're really good. So, like I, man, I'm a believer. I'm a full like advocate now. You know, I'm gonna make a, a billboard with me holding a Philly cheesesteak. I'm, I'm with it now. So, I know that the last time you we talked, the um the maps program was, I think, I think you had just started. I I don't like it was pretty early. Yeah, it was pretty early. And and I'm going to tell you that the maps, I did definitely do a few performances for maps. Uh, and I'm actually looking to, I've already kind of made some reach outs to some other school system here, kind of some cold calls to start getting maps going uh, here. Um, the focus has been music desegregation so much for the past maybe year and a half um, that maps has kind of been still running, but just kind of running parallel and, and, and a little bit more on the back burner than on the forefront. Um, and so, but maps is still going maps is, is, you know, definitely something that's dear to my heart to be able to reach out and, and use that motivation and inspiration maps in a sense though, what it, the role that it did play maps is like the record label that I created, uh, to represent, you know, music desegregation in, in my music. And so I will hope that maps can in a sense be a platform to where other artists can come uh, or other music types of music that that has a inspirational feel to it or a motivational feel to it or an encouraging feel to it uh, can be included in the umbrella of maps. And so maps is just the the it's the I'll even say legal entity that covers everything um, that I'm working on. Do you feel like that's something as you're kind of, you know, trying to you know figure your way out in, in the Philadelphia area? It, it, can you see needs for that? Do you know, can you, have you found that other programs that do like similar types things that's, that's already established? What what have you figured out so far? Yeah, uh, there's definitely a need. Um, there's, there's no question that there's definitely a need because, uh, you know, just anytime you can get instruments into a school, you know, it's, it's always a really powerful thing. Um the reason that I've been a little bit slower with maps was just because of like getting the instruments into the school and actually being able to, um, you know, have a program that represents uh, the instrumentation that I have available to me now, because I really just brought my vibraphone up. So, uh, you know, I'm still I'm still working on getting some of the other pieces um, that would really kind of go with the program that I already have uh, made up. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a need. Um, and there's some, there are some programs that are doing, that are doing music in schools for sure. 
but you know all, they're just different right and so they'll be more focused on music whereas more mine music is the vessel and you know the inspiration and the motivation is like the message um but then you have a lot of inspiration and motivation that goes to the schools as well um and so i try to kind of keep it differentiated by mixing the performing arts with uh the motivational speaking uh in a way that the students can relate and kind of pull them in but yet still feel like they gain something valuable from the presentation. As you're getting more settled in the area, are you seeking out or able, have you found any performance opportunities just generally, if, if you're trying to keep up some of your, just your general percussion chops? Yeah, so um, not a, not live performance just yet. Uh, my main focus is making sure that everything goes is smooth with, with PASIC. Um, but I've been keeping up my chops by playing and recording in the studio that I've made in the basement. And so like I, this, this thing that I've been doing now are these duets on TikTok, which you've probably heard duets on TikTok or have seen or, you know, uh, and a lot of the folks, you know, out, especially digitally who are aware of TikTok kind of know that duets are duets and open verse challenges are something that are happening a lot. Um, and the benefit of this is that I can take a open verse challenge. Uh, maybe it's a hip hop beat, maybe it's a jazz uh, piece um, or, you know, or, you know, a classical piece that's on this open verse challenge. But then I can merge the rap and the vibraphone at the same time. And so you kind of do get a, it's like a smaller, more compact 30 second minute version of music desegregation uh, that I can kind of churn out a lot of those um, versus the full through composed original compositions um, from like the album. And so this gives me a chance to stay active and yet keep producing content, um, you know, until I get ready to make like music desegregation to a much larger project. Um, but I've put out a couple, uh, I think three or four already just duets of, you know, these, 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 pieces where it's just rap and me playing the vibes and me rapping at the same time of me playing the vibes uh and practicing that alone has been definitely keeping keeping the chops and and the forearm strong i'll say so uh <laughs> so yeah man um you know that that's what's been keeping me going performance wise and the goal will be to eventually even create some of my own electronic backing tracks to where I can do rap vibraphone with electronic backing tracks, build a playlist of that, and then start taking that live to where you can start seeing a live, you know, version of rap and playing vibes at the same time. But something that you wouldn't necessarily need other players on, is that? That would be the goal. Yeah, that would be the goal. That would be the goal. I did run into some players like uh, from like Temple, Temple University, that's, you know, got some, got, it's, 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 got a great school of music and I just out in the community and some of the jazz sectors I've seen uh, and, and ran into and met some students who were at Temple. Um, and so, you know, I'll definitely start trying to link up and connect with them and do some things around the city. There's a lot of just opportunity for playing and performance and, and you know, it's just a lot in this city. Uh, so, you know, we moved in in late July, you know, approaching August. And so, you know, kind of building that foundation, building the studio took up most of the time uh, and just kind of getting prepared now for this new position that's coming, um, you know, it's kind of been the main goal. Was the studio something that you had, you already had and you transported it or did you, when you found the new space that you're in now, did you all, you were like, okay, here's here, here like you scoped it out and you're like, here, uh, speakers, curtains, like whatever you kind of make, yeah. put that all together once you saw the space. That's that's exactly what happened. Yep, the second one. Um, okay. You know, at our old house, I had like a music room, but nowhere near. Didn't have any recording capabilities. It was just a room for me to practice. And and you know, um, but this space, once I saw, I had the basement. Now, of course, when we we looked at the house and I got down there and I started clapping, I was like, oh, this sounds terrible. But you know, I was like, you know, but with some tender love and care, it could probably be turned into something sweet. And so like, just saw the basement space, saw what I was working with. We hung up some curtains, hung up a lot of audio, um, acoustic panels on the wall, um, put carpet uh, down on the floor um, and, you know, put the desk in there, the speakers, and just kind of started arranging it in a way that I was like, oh, this is, I'm on to something. Uh, and so it turns, not it's not only as the audio recording, you know, studio situation, but I've also kind of put 
some things uh, in place that will allow for a video recording to actually look pretty cool. And so I have a wall, I have a wall of like records, vinyl records. I had it similar, I think you remember from the last performance, but now I got like a wall of vinyl records that are behind the instruments, uh, you know, that have some of the great influences for myself, you know, through time, whether it's Marvin Gaye or Michael Jackson or John Coltrane and Miles Davis all up on this wall. So the sound doesn't go super far up. Like your your wife doesn't like knock down, like, excuse me. <laughs> it, so uh, it definitely goes up. Without a doubt goes up. But, you know, my wife is so used to me playing all the time, you know, uh, she kind of zones out, puts her headphones in and she, studies. she just cranks it up a little bit louder. Yeah, on her. Exactly. Exactly. You know, those relaxation YouTube videos where you got like 10 hours of sound or whatever. She cuts some things all the way up and she's she's in the zone. But um, the thing I did have to test because these are row houses up here in uh, Philly. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to test, well, how loud going to the neighbors? Yeah. Horizontally, um, yeah. And so I told you my neighbors were, were awesome, right? We did a test. I had my neighbors, they're on the phone and they were like standing in the basement while I was wailing away on the vibraphone. I mean, I went and got like the hard series or like the Marsalis <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I started wailing away on the vibraphone um, and they said they couldn't hear a whisper. And I was like, like what? And it's because they put these huge, like, you know, this concrete stone, brick stone insulation between these buildings. You know, it's not their first time doing row homes up here in Philly. You know, I lived in a home in, in, in North Carolina that was side by side. You could hear almost everything. So like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but Philly, this, this is not their first rodeo. So like, right. it was really, it's so well insulated that I'm I'm playing a well in a way and they couldn't hear anything. And the only time they would hear something is if they were outside or if it was coming through the windows a little bit. But like, you know, I mean, it was mind blowing. And then they end up actually having a wedding in their house. They had like 30 people over. They were all in the house. Me and Tia couldn't hear anything. We're sitting right by the wall. So that's when I was like, it is green light. It's go time. You know, <laughs> let's put a full marching drum line down here. Let's go. That's right. for it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the real test. There you go. Get yeah. a get an HBCU line down there and just like yeah. let's see, let's see how this goes. A couple 32-inch bass drums and then that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking, I I I vividly remember, I know you know this case where you know if the walls are pretty thin, you know, like your neighbors might have a fight and you're sitting there like, wait, am I in the fight? Because like I hear everything. <laughs> Yeah. Man, Am I that, being yelled at right now? Man, I, I was in it. I had a, I had, we had a terrible situation where literally you could smell the food of the neighbor cooking, uh, <laughs> smell his, yeah, I, we could smell his cologne when he was about to go out coming through, you know, bleeding into like his phone conversation. You know, you were on the phone with him, you know, it was like, you know, right. yeah, we had to move. He already told that story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had we had to move. We had to move. <laughs> that was before we bought the house in North Carolina, but we we had to move. We had to. Get yeah, out. yeah. We were already planning to move, but we had neighbors who fought. Like we we had a, we shared a staircase in a, oh. in a duplex, and like they would fight on the stairs, and and the, it was the same wall. We're like, of all the places, like, right? <laughs> please stop doing this right now. It's like you two. I, we want them not going to be like you two. Need to go to different places right now and just cool off. <laughs> there you go. That's all right. That's all right. That's hilarious. Yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. That was uh. That's so being here has been. That's definitely made it made it easy. I feel like if, if it was one of those situations where you had like a, a neighbor who you know knocked every time that I you know play some claves then. Uh, <laughs> That would have that would have definitely changed the outlook or probably how I saw everything. But I can stay positive now that they, they can't really. Oh, so I let's uh I was thinking about, you know, we we did random ask questions last time. I'm gonna throw you a few, maybe some some updated stuff, um, mm -hmm. a few a few to extra throw at you. So now that you're in Philly, but when you go back, whether you have or you will, go back to North Carolina, visit, visit folks. Where's somewhere that you know that you, before you see anyone, you're like, I have to get that food and I will not talk to anyone until it is in my mouth. And then maybe I'll be ready to talk to my family. Oh man, man. There's a, there's a few of those. Mm -hmm. First of all, I have to get some sweet tea. Like up <laughs> here, right. this iced tea thing, like, nah, I, <laughs> like, I need some authentic, like 
feel guilty when you're drinking it. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what I need. Like guarantee. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to go and this will make, uh, this will make Lamont laugh, but I'm probably going to go to Bojangles, uh, you know, and that's, yeah. that's something that is not up here. I'm going to definitely hit a Bojangles up. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my, one of my close friends has started this food truck, which is now like a restaurant called smoking Mac, uh, mm-hmm. where it's smoked Mac and cheese. Like he uses it's smoked meats, like smoked chicken and smoked uh, brisket. Uh, and, and he'll do like lobster and shrimp in like mac and cheese. It's really gourmet, but it's really good mac and cheese. Like it ain't just like this ain't just your grandmother's mac and cheese. This is some really awesome mac and cheese. Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't really had some good soul food. So I, I got we got to get down and jump on some soul food, mac and cheese. Got to go to cookout. You know, cookout of is, there's a restaurant in North Carolina that, you know, I haven't seen in a while. So I got my list. Yeah. Uh, one thing, one thing's not going to do it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That it was funny when I we had traveled to the band had traveled to um, to go to Alabama when Mizzou played Alabama a number of years ago, and we stayed in Miss Starksville, Mississippi, because it's like you have to stay far away. They there was a, a cookout um, next door to the hotel, and I'm like. Let's do Peter it. Butter shake is coming right up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think I'm gonna get a banana pudding milkshake from Cookout as soon as I touch down in North Carolina. <laughs> That's awesome. That's all I hear. Your go-to karaoke song, Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I don't know why the ad libs always got me. You know, there's a part where it says, "My body won't she," and I just, you know, <laughs> it works. You know. Uh, yeah, but usually I, I use that if my wife is there. So uh, of course, I'm yes. Sing that <laughs> situational uh, situational awareness. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I I don't know if you've ever seen there, there's a um a lot one of the only live performances I've ever seen of him doing that. It's like they like lean into each like boom, boom, bam, boom, like just like oh, you just know like. It's, it's over. Done. He doesn't even have to go any further into the song. It's like he's already done it. Yep. It's it sets the it sets the tone for the rest of the uh not even the evening, the rest of the year, depending yeah, on right. the <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that that's super true. Yeah. how have your uh how have your sports teams fared in the last couple of years? So I was a Green Bay fan. I'm a Green Bay fan for football. Uh, and, but you know, coming up to coming up to Philly, I, I have to hide my <laughs> I have yeah. to hide my gear. You know, I gotta hide my Green Bay stuff. Uh the the sports atmosphere here is so contagious yeah. that like I just found myself like I I mean I baseball I always like the Tampa Bay Rays, right? But like I done bought Philly shirts and hats and now I'm out here like cheering them on. And then, you know, of course I love Green Bay, but like kind of by default I'm rooting for the Eagles. So um I love Steph Curry, you know, and so that really got, allowed me to be a Warriors fan. And, and, and of course, they've done well. I think they're going to win again. So sports, uh, I'm in a good place, I have to say. I'm in a good place. I get it from being from New York. And I, I, I know it's one of those things where I think it's I'm sure you now understand the adjustment, but it's very much the Northeast is very much a pro sports area. Um, oh, by far. It's like yeah. not even and it's. I mean, just like college football is just not a thing, uh, not really. Um, and even college basketball, like it depends. I mean, you're in an area with Villanova's there, so it's like, yeah. and and we have an issue with with Villanova. You I know, know you do. My wife from Chapel, you know, my wife yes. went to Chapel Hill. I've been a big fan of Chapel Hill, but especially with her going to Chapel, like we've always been huge Chapel Hill fans. Yeah. And I, I think it was 2016. You know, uh, that very last shot from Villanova, like you know, we just don't get over things like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Even though you won it the next year. Exactly. We came back and won it the next year. No, but I can't let go of that Villanova shot. So, like, <laughs> you know, for that reason, like, yeah, you know, we kind of kind of look at Villanova a little weird when anytime. Now, of course, if there's anybody from Philly that's watching this, I don't want y'all to or listening to this. I don't want y'all to come find me or anything. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah. So that's, you know, we're always going to be that hard Carolina fans. And for what happened last year, uh, Beat. Where you knocked Duke out twice? That oh was, man! I mean, that's oh, 
we're good for the next 10, 15 years. I don't yeah. want to hear nothing from a Duke fan for 10 to 15 years. Like, you know, I, I I'm 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 sitting back on the, you know, on, on the high horse, just like, you know, we beat Coach K on his last home game. We beat them in the final four. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is I, I know that has to that has to factor in some way to your relationship with Lamont. Oh. Oh, he hears it. He hears it. And I'm going to send this to him. Matter of fact, when you, when you finish the episode, I'm going to fast forward to this section and I'm going to send it to him. I say, hey, man, you really need to hear what's happening. Like, it's a very deep and intellectual conversation that's happening at the minute mark. And it's going to be this right here. It's going to be Carolina beating Duke twice last year. Coach K's final home game and in the final four, just so, you know, he can get that reminder. So, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. See, this is what we we have to tell Lamont. All right, so I mean, I did you know, like I I'm a, I'm Wake Forest. I I don't really like Carolina, but I definitely hate Duke. So it's like, you know, like if, if I'm pulling for if I'm pulling for someone in that in that thing, it's it's Carolina. But I was like, you know, Lamont, you have it coming. This is the this is like people like really hate Duke. I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> He knows what's going on. Oh, I know he does. This ain't his, this ain't his first rodeo. And, well, and if he doesn't, I'm going to remind him every day for the next 10 to 15 years. So. Right. Well, you get an added thing now being in Philly because of the Cowboy uh, Eagle thing is a whole thing, too. That is a whole thing. And, and I can't stand the Cowboys. So that even makes it like, oh, me and him, I've been, and I've been, again, I've been sitting pretty these past, you know. <laughs> This past year, I definitely sent him a text when the Eagles beat the Cowboys and went went six and zero. Oh. So I was like, uh, you know, and of course he said, since I moved up to Philly, like don't get brand new since I moved up to Philly. I was like, hey, I can still not like the Cowboys, well, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's it's been hilarious, man. To nice. say the least. Nice. One piece of art, music, movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, anything that's impacted you the most recently i went by the uh smithsonian national african-american museum this past weekend uh and on you know that museum is a it's it's a very powerful experience if you get to go to that museum Um, is that in philly no it's in dc one benefit of philly is that you're like two hours from everything so you're like two hours from new york you know hour 45 from baltimore two and a half in dc like it's all just very accessible um, and so we we went to DC. I have a brother that lives in DC. And we went to that museum, and uh, it's pretty. It's it's five years. Like it's fairly new, right? Fairly new. Like yeah, within the yeah, probably five years. I think is is about right. Uh, fairly new. It was very hard to get into the first two years, um, but now you can kind of get tickets, and you know, of course, tickets are free. But now you can get your scheduled time and get in there, and it's such a powerful experience. Um, but one thing that I've been before, you know, this this was actually my third time, but uh, for us, like we spent so much time in floors one, two, and three uh, that we really didn't get to the top floor. And the way that museum is structured, you kind of start with the beginning histories, right? You really go deep into like before slavery and then into slavery and that impact and all the above that happens. Uh, And then you get to the sixties and so forth. You get to all that in the first three floors. Uh, but then as you go up, you start to get more recent and you get into the hope and the and the and the and the optimism of where we are now and where we're going. And on the top floor, there's music. Um, and they cover all the music of 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 just the amazing list of con- of of contributions from Af- from black Americans over the years. Um, and so I was up there and and looking at uh Marian Anderson and and seeing like her performances and and seeing the impact that she made so long ago uh you know and seeing some of the different artists and it was just like and seeing these relics and you know these outfits and and the different things from that history man it definitely was just more encouragement of like you know what I'm I'm on the right path uh I got to get I got to keep trucking and that this music can make an impact and and help somebody uh, down the road. And I, I just, you know, needed that to say, you know what, don't give up. Uh, you know, might be small beginnings now, but this, this is going to, it's going to make a difference. And so it was really cool. Yeah. 
I've been showing in classes the uh, I don't have you seen the PBS biography of her that came out over no. the last sometime the last couple of years. I may not have. No, I don't think I saw that one. There's a an incredible five minute segment, and I think you can find that that segment by itself on YouTube mm. of her doing on the the Lincoln Memorial concert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did see that. I did see that one. That was uh, when because I think it was uh, um, Eleanor Roosevelt that made that happen to get her on there, um, right. and, and the significance of that uh, and what that meant. Man, it's just so inspirational. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's enough. Like, and it, it's inspirational to anyone who because you have to see the thing. The key to me is is seeing the picture behind her. Mm-hmm. You see 70,000 people in like just straight back and, and it's just like, and it's just her and the pianist and like a sound system. And that's it. And this shot. And you're just like, how is she keeping it together? Like, <laughs> and it's amazing voice that just, you know, captivated that entire audience, man. It was, it's, that's a, I would definitely recommend anybody to check that, that video out, that particular performance out. Um, it's, it's mind blowing. Mind blowing. Wait, in that, I have not been in that museum. That is definitely like next time I'm in DC for sure. Um, when you get up to that top level, are these like booths or are there like, you, you get like headphones and they have playlist? Like how does, can you just describe how it's set up? Yeah. So you get up there and it's an entire floor, uh, kind of set up in a gallery style. Uh, and you're walking and there's a lot of these different genres that have all these different um, contributors uh, and they'll have some things playing up over top, but you're looking at artifacts. You're looking at, you know, maybe James Brown's jacket, or you're looking at uh, um, all these different, just, just these different artifacts from all these uh, amazing artists. And they have sections where you can go and you can listen. Like you, there's a there's a room where you can go in and you can go through and select and just listen to all this music. There's even another room where you can go in and and like pretend to be a, a producer yourself and kind of be in the studio in a sense and kind of create some things. Um, but it's really large. Like they have like they have the whole mothership, uh, <laughs> you know, from um, you know Bootsy Collins and and Parliament. Oh. They dropped the mothership, right? They got they have the mothership that's there. And so, oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, like is it like come? Does it come down like every hour at the hour? Like just, they just have a <laughs> no. It's, it's already there. It's already oh, yeah. there. It's, it's already there. <laughs> but like you know, to, it's just all these different artifacts and all these different pieces and all this all these different parts of history. That's like man. Um, you know, you just walk around and it's it's a huge space, you know, like the museum is massive and the entire top floor is dedicated to the arts. Um, and so it's just like you, you're there. I mean, this particular time, me and my wife actually spent our whole session, our whole couple hours just up there in the seventh floor and the sixth floor uh, with most of it being on the seventh floor. So, you know, like when you do go visit, I would probably say take two days if you can. Uh, you know, because, you know, you're going to spend, you'll spend one day just in the first three floors. Uh, and then you can spend the next time just on the top floors. But yeah, man, it's, I mean, they cover and they cover from early, uh, from some of the early aspects of like early 16 and 1700s, all the way up to all the great different um, artists from, you know, from classical to bluegrass to to the blues, to jazz, to hip hop. Um, the history of hip hop. I mean, they go deep into everything, uh, you know, and it's just awesome to be a part of. Chris, we're done. All right, man. I always enjoy these things, man. I'm, I'm so glad I can, I can, I can help and be a part and support and uh, appreciate what you're doing, man, and the great work that you're doing. Uh, you know, don't give up, man, and continue to put the spotlight on all these different percussionists out here. Yeah. No, it was great. It's great to have you back. You can tell by my excitement over the cheesesteak that it's, uh, it's, all, <laughs> <laughs> it's all happening. You're like, I may need to get that today. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> so great to catch back up with Christopher this time around. I hope things continue to go well with him as he and his family get more further settled in the Philadelphia area. And I hope things go well for his sports teams. Uh, Well, most of them, at least. 
This week's rave is the 2019 film sequel, Zombieland Double Tap, which I finally got to see, starring the same crew from the original from a decade earlier. Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, Woody Harrelson, and Jesse Eisenberg, and directed by Ruben Fleischer. If this title sounds familiar, that's because the original film, Zombieland, came out about a decade earlier than this one, and was and remains amazing. The plot is pretty simple. It's a zombie apocalypse, and these are four of the remaining humans who are trying to fend off the situation. Gore and hilarity, of course, ensue. For Zombieland Double Tap, same plot, same four stars, all a decade older, return, and they are well, somewhat wiser, and in some cases not so much. There are more outside folks involved, including a young woman who lives in an abandoned mall, played as ditzy comedic gold by Zoe Deutsch, a tough woman who shoots guns and drives monster trucks to zombie mayhem, played by Rosario Dawson, and Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch playing bizarro alternate versions of Woody Harrelson and Jesse Eisenberg's characters. It hits a lot of the same beats as the first film. Lots of gore, lots of creative deaths, lots of fun visuals, an incredible opening credit sequence like the original, and usage of on-screen words throughout, and a lot of humor and vulgarity, sometimes combined. It's a delight. And you'll be happy to be back with these folks. So find Zombieland Double Tap or go double feature and watch them both and enjoy. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's Perk Pod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then.